Hebrews chapter 1, we're going to uh, just read a, a couple of scriptures, beginning in Hebrews 1. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. And so Hebrews is a look at the Jewish believers' challenges about who Jesus is. And so it takes some very interesting turns. And, of course, chapter 1 develops the argument that you cannot compare Jesus to just any other man because he's more than a man. So Hebrews 1 is one of the famous chapters regarding the deity of Jesus. And so we've already looked at that. Then if you would look at chapter 2, and you will see that the, the centerpiece of chapter 2, although there's a lot in there we've already studied, I'm, not, I'm just reviewing. Verse 14, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also likewise took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. So that is to say, in fact, let's keep reading verse uh, 17. Well, no, let's, let's, let's look at 16. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham because there was a, in the ancient world there was a great deal of speculation about um, whether various people were actually angels and so on, and, and that an angel was of a higher uh, divine order than humankind and so on. And you remember that this was the world of the Greeks where you had people like Hercules that were the human, half divine, half human, and so on. I mean, he wasn't real, but you see what I'm saying. People believed that Hercules was half divine. It was just a myth, of course. Wherefore, in all things, it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, and in that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest. So, so you can see that chapter 2 is building up to chapter uh, 7, which is about his the high priestly nature of the Lord. And then, of course, we uh, were finishing last quarter before the Christmas season, looking at chapter 3, which has to do with the temple. Everyone say the temple. And that is the relationship of the Christian to the temple. And Jewish Christians continued to, to go to the temple and worship it just like Paul did. And so they had a special and unique problem and we're going to speak to it specifically tonight. Now, uh, they're going to give us now my first overlay, and we're going to look at our summary. So there are eight major themes that we have looked at, all right, in the first three chapters. And here they are. I know it's not easy to see. Now, you'll notice that the overall picture, this artist has done a, a rendering of Moses uh, working to draw the children of Israel out of Egypt. And so it basically captures the theme that, that there is deliverance and that there is a God's plan was to deliver the children of Israel. But how many know, now I know that some of you are going to be bored tonight, but I just can't worry about it tonight. 
How many of you know that the children of Israel were delivered out of Egypt? How many know that? And you know that is history. But how many know that they did not necessarily get to the promised land? Yes, that is a point. That is what Paul is trying to show them. They're bragging about being delivered, but they're not acknowledging that most of them never made it to the promise. And so it is. And so what Paul is, now we're going to go through the three chapters. There are eight themes. Number one, the, the temple and Jewish believers. That's why I put a little, um, a little picture of the temple over there. I don't know if you can see it. Uh, very well but anyway I put it there I love that little uh, it's a graphic of what the temple would have looked like a 3d inside and so it's interesting and I put it there but it, it highlights there the, the the message of Hebrews that you cannot go back once you have found the truth you can't go to something else in other words the truth is what saves and nothing else And so the temple was the temptation. They could see the temple. It was beautiful. It was magnificent and so on. For example, how many of you have, I'm going to be a little sidetracked here, but how many of you have ever visited a Mormon temple? You've been able to walk in. You can't walk into one. You can't go into it. You try to walk into a Mormon temple. But there are days before it is uh, dedicated that you can actually walk into or you can go see, you know, you can go to a temple. You just can't go into it. You can walk into certain parts, but you can't go into the actual temple. And so uh, how many have ever... Okay, that's question number one. How many... All right. How, one, one person has been into a Mormon temple. All right. And, and they're magnificent. They're in Hawaii. I visited the one in Hawaii. There, uh, there's... Uh, I can't think what's... I can't even think what the closest one is to us. But there, there are Mormon temples all over the world. Every, every place that there is a concentration of Mormons, they build a temple right in the middle of it. Obviously, Salt Lake and Utah have... Uh, more than one and so on now let's talk about uh, another religious faith that draws attention to its buildings and that would be the roman catholic church itself how many have ever heard for example of a famous catholic church you ever heard of a famous catholic church how many ever heard of notre notre dame anybody heard of that uh that and how many uh and so uh, there, I forget the number of millions of people that visit Notre Dame and, 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 and see uh, the, the structure and so on. And, and we could go on and on. What, I'm, what, of course, we recognize is that the, just the very fact that a religion has a structure or structures that are a magnificent cause people to think, wow, well, this, this is amazing. This must be, there, there's got to be something to all of this. And if you were raised and you were Jewish and you were Hebrew all of your life, then the attraction was to go back to the temple and put your faith in the operation of the temple. That God was God gave it to Moses. It must be good enough for who maybe maybe Jesus isn't really all that we thought he was. Number two, Israel was not going to accept Jesus. Now, they were holding out all this time that many of the Jewish believers, that the entire nation of Israel would embrace their Messiah. But the truth is, they, they were not going to embrace Jesus. Israel had rejected Jesus. And therefore, some and perhaps many of the Jewish believers were in danger. Everyone say danger. 
This is what Hebrews is addressing. The danger, Hebrews was probably written just before the destruction of the temple. The temple had to have been there because he's talking about everything. The, the temple had not been destroyed. And so therefore, all these theories that it was written way after 64 AD, that's a, uh, not very likely because the temple's still there. And so since it was destroyed in 64, it had to have been there. And so they were, in, they were in danger of drifting back, as we said, because of the temple and because of their concerns for, for Israel. Number three, and this would be, see, we're alternating blue and white here. Jesus, Hebrews begins to argue, is not only the Messiah, but he is also God himself. That is, the Messiah was divine. Everybody say, praise the Lord. So this allows for various... Uh, views of the Godhead, for example. For example, a Trinitarian can make that very statement but not mean that Jesus was God himself or the only God. I usually call that Jesus is absolutely God. That is to say, there's no other God beside him. That when, we, when oneness people talk about Jesus being God, we mean Jesus is the one God. Whereas some people that call themselves Christians can say, well, he's God, but there's more than one in the Godhead. And so we can call, we can call all of them God, as it were, which, of course, is uh, uh, not accurate. You can't have more than one somebody that you're calling God. How many knows that's true? There's only one God. Anybody know there's one God? And Jesus is his name. So Jesus is Messiah and God. And, of course, the New Testament and Hebrews is teaching exactly what I just said, what I call the oneness position, and that there is no other hope of salvation. Number four, he's superior to the law, that Jesus is superior to the law in every way. And chapter four is going to outline this. We're going to get to it. And then he, uh, you, therefore, it is essential that you not allow yourself to move away. Many people walk away from from God just because of boredom. They don't keep their prayer life up. The world keeps drawing them. They start, the world just sort of lulls them in. It's kind of like being in a boat and they, they're just sort of drifting away. You hardly even know that you're moving. Next thing you know, you're in Shanghai because that's the way sin does. Number five, his humanity was real. And we looked at that in chapter two and, and it had to be real in order for him to be our sacrifice. How many knows that he couldn't take our place if he wasn't one of us? If he were a pretense, if he weren't really human, how could he take our place? Otherwise, one of the angels could have come and said, oh, we've got an angel over here. And of course, uh, Paul was very careful to show that it wasn't an angel, couldn't have been an angel, and so on. That's why I'm so uh, 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 unimpressed with Jehovah's Witness teaching that Jesus is a was a great archangel, that he, he the Son of God was nothing more than a greatly created angel, which is exactly what Hebrews is teaching against. So, they, of course, they get that view from a guy by the name of Arius who said, well, Jesus is a, he's God, but he's a lesser God than God. He's a, what we would then call a demigod. He's a great uh, being, but he's just an angel. In fact, now the Jehovah's Witness Church are teaching that he's Michael, that Jesus was the incarnation of Michael himself. Well, as far as I'm concerned, that is heresy. That is as, un, that is as untrue as anything you could say. Jesus is the mighty God. He's the Alpha and the Omega. So see, it's important to stress both. He's both the great I am. Hallelujah. How many knows he's the great I am? Which, of course, is what his name means. Yahweh or Jehovah means I am. He's the great I am. 
But you have to also know that he's man at the same time. It's as important to recognize his true humanity as it is his true deity. And then, of course, we came to uh, what I'm calling the first warning, and that is the wandering in the wilderness. That when you do not obey truth, you will end up a wanderer. Number seven, Moses was great. And, of course, the law, we could say the law. But Moses was great, but a mere man. Jesus was great. A man, but not mere man, he was also God. And number eight, the second warning, and that is the warning of disbelief. Did to not believe or to enter into an, a period of disbelief will lead to rebellion. And if you do not believe, listen to me, if you do not believe, then you cannot enter into the promise, which is another way of saying several things. But the very least, it means that if you disbelieve and you, your heart is led into rebellion, you will not enter into heaven. Someone said, well, once you're saved, you're always saved. I'm sorry, my friend. You've got to live for God every day of your life. You've got to walk with God. And if you enter in, I know people, I'm not saying if you ever make a mistake, you ever do. And that's not what I'm talking about. All right, so, the, so of course, chapter 6 is all about that. So we'll, we'll get back to it, but that will be a repeat of that particular point that we looked at in chapter 3. Now, um, let's go to the next slide. We're going to begin with uh, the end of chapter 3. So here we go, verse 19. Could you read verse 19 with me? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Now, we just did an entire summary of where we were back before Christmas. All right. And so he, he ends it by saying now. We, so therefore, we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. They could not because God would not allow them. Now, there are people who think, well, they're going to go to heaven no matter what they believe. How many have ever met people like this? I meet them every single day. They believe they can do what they want, say what they want, curse all they want, wear what they want, go anywhere they want. God's not going to care one bit about what they're doing. That's what they believe. And they'll say, oh, God doesn't care about you. You could believe. In fact, you could be a Buddhist. I'm hearing this more. Of course, this is the culture that we're in. But, of course, it matters very, very greatly what you believe. If you disbelieve the truth, and, of course, that's what chapter 4 is about. You cannot disbelieve the truth and be saved. Now, folks, listen to me. I'm not talking about God going nitpicking and trying to, you know, get the little lint off of your coat. And so, oh, you got a little piece of lint on your I'm throwing you into hell. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about people that think the Bible doesn't matter. And what God said doesn't matter, but it matters. It matters. Now, here we go. Now, we're going to look at verse 1 here. Let us therefore fear lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. And you notice that I've added the word, I put it in brackets, because this Greek word means to come short of reaching. It'd be like you're trying to get to it. Uh, I, had the, uh, I had the baby, uh, my youngest grandbaby yesterday, and I was trying to play with her a little bit, and I was holding her up to reach the thing that you pull the, on the fan. We have a kind of a tall living room area, uh, ceiling, and, and the fan's way up there, and these, these big strings hang down. And, and if I held her a certain way, I didn't realize how weak I was. The longer I tried to hold her up there, the longer you better get a hold of it quick. And she, she's trying to get little old hands trying to reach that. But see, there are many uh, examples 
of not being able to reach either the place or the time or the thing that you ought to be reaching. And so it is that God made a promise that there would be a rest. And, of course, the whole chapter 4 is about this rest. Now, let's not confuse this rest. How many knows that you get peace like a river when you get the Holy Ghost? Hallelujah. You get peace like a river when you get the Holy Ghost. You get rest. I mean, it's a joyous, it's a marvelous thing to have the the joy of the Holy Ghost. But chapter 4 is not referring to a rest that is given to you by the Spirit, and you're walking around with that rest. It is not referring to that by itself. It is referring to the rest, which is heaven itself. And we will see that in just a moment. Therefore, fear lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Could we read uh, verse 2 together? It's back here if you'd like to, or of course your Bibles are open. Here we go. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that hear it. Now, you see that immediately what Paul is doing is he is correlating the word that is preached in and from the Bible to their disagreement with Moses and their murmurings in the wilderness and the fact that they wandered in the wilderness and they were unable to reach the promised land because God said, okay, that's it. That is it. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. It is a very fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. It's a foolish thing. It is crazy. America, I'm telling you, you don't have to like it. I'm telling you. America is in trouble. America is in trouble. It must repent before God. It must repent before God. Of course, Hollywood laughs and they joke and they roll around and they just think it's hysterical because they don't believe a word. They don't believe it matters what God thinks in a million years. But I tell you, you disregard the word that God speaks. And that, of course, brings us to verse 2. For we have received the gospel. Now, this opens up the question, of course, that in the time of Moses, they received the gospel. They're saying, for unto us was preached the gospel as well as unto them. So both periods in the law, they had a way of being saved. How many know that in the law they had a way of being saved? They most certainly did. How many knows that Moses is saved? He never got the Holy Ghost, but he was saved because he obeyed what God told him to do. And he lived under types and shadows. And so he he did exactly what God told him to do. Oh, come on. Let's lift our hands and thank God. Father, thank you for truth. Thank you for the power of God that leads us, oh Lord. And we give you praise. Now, some people think that it won't matter if they tell God they don't like it. Uh, God doesn't. It's not going to make any difference. But this chapter is very specific. You cannot disbelieve God's preached word. Let's, let's say, I'm going to say the Bible. In other words, if you're preaching anything but the Bible, then it's not going to matter anyway. I could preach about Humpty Dumpty all day long. It's not going to, I mean, he can fall off of every wall and from here to China. It's not going to make any difference. But if I'm preaching the word of God and I declare the word of God, and you disbelieve it, there is no salvation for someone who disbelieves the word of God. 
You must believe the word of God. But the word preached did not profit them. Everyone say did not. It didn't help them a bit because it was not mixed with faith. So if you come to church, I don't mean tired. I went to church. I've never, I've never forget a service I went to. I was, oh, I got to get to church. I'm running. I've got to get out of work. I'm going to get to church, sit down. And the fan was blowing right on. I mean, the heater was blowing right on me. There were about a thousand people there. It was at the uh, St. Paul. The, remember the old tabernacle for the ladder? The old, well, let me say that. Not, the, not midway. I mean the old tabernacle before they built that one that seats. 2,000 or whatever they seat in there. All right. I'm talking about the one that's next door to the one that now seats 2,000. There are two there. I was sitting in that old sanctuary. I ran in. I couldn't wait. Brother Urshan or somebody was preaching that night and I got off work and I was, I was rushing. I was about in 30 minutes late. I ran. I sat down and the heater was blowing right on me from the ceiling, like right there. And it was literally blowing. I was telling, rebuking the devil. I rebuke you, devil. That the, the heat was blowing on me. And I was going. Hallelujah. My, the guy next to me, brother, tell me, tell me. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. I'm, brother Urs is preaching. I was totally exhausted. I'm not talking about uh, the times when you're, when you're sick and you're, and you're weak. I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about when you have a clear mind and you say in your mind, nobody can tell me what I have to do. When you refuse to hear the word of God. Because it will lead to this of what we've, all, what we've been talking about this whole time. Rebelling and, and so forth. Now. Because to refuse the word leads to a point where you say, well, this doesn't seem to me like it matters if, if it's a man or a woman. That does, what does that matter? I mean, God does, why would God care? It leads to a rebellion that opens the door to a spirit of rebellion. Now, so uh, it, it is very important to realize what's under that depiction of Moses there, which is not my favorite Moses, but this just happens to be the moment of the murmuring. That this particular artist did this, and that is that if you're going to enter heaven or the promise, this is true, of course, of anything. For example, how many knows that someone can say all day long, I got the Holy Ghost, but I didn't speak in tongues? That doesn't make it so. Someone said, Well, I got baptized, but I didn't take on his name. That doesn't make it so. Someone said, well, I got sprinkled when I was three days old. That doesn't mean you were baptized. Folks, what you have to do is be obedient to the word of God. Praise God. That's good preaching, Brother French. You've got to obey the word of God. You can't just say, I'll do what I want to do. Nobody can tell me what to do. Well, you're getting worked up. All right, here we go. Now, this, this is a picture of... Uh, of Joshua going across to bring in the uh, ark and so on. They're all coming across. So there you see a joyous uh, type of entering heaven. So Joshua, how many knows that the name uh, Yoshia in, or Jehoshia in several ways you could say it in the Old Testament is just the Hebrew word for Jesus. How many know that? Okay, not very many know that, so I'm going to say it again. The name Joshua is an English way of saying a Hebrew name, which is Yohashua, which is the when you translate that into 
let's say, I was going to say English, but, uh, well, let's say English. You could say that too. That Joshua is the Hebrew for the English word Jesus. Anybody know that? Okay. Well, it's true. Now, you can, you can jump off of every building in the city. It won't change it. Yah, Yahashua is the same name in Hebrew as the word Jesus in Greek and the word Jesus in English. They're the same word. All right. Now, you say, well, why is that? Why did Joshua have the name that Jesus took on and so on in Hebrew and so forth? Well, that, 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 we don't have time for that. I'm just telling you they're the same word. And that when Joshua crossed over and led the people, of course, symbolically, it was Jesus leading us into the promised land. They entered the promised land. They took the promised land. And that's, of course, uh, two or three books of the Bible there. Now, look at verse 3. Here we go. For we which have believed do enter, or we are entering, literally. Everybody say, praise the Lord. We are entering into rest. In other words, we are in the process of entering the rest. In other words, all right, I'm going to interpret that for you, all right? All right, so in case you want to interpret it differently, I want to be sure you're clear what I'm saying, that we are in the process of getting into heaven. And we must let nothing keep us from crossing the Jordan, as it were. We must let nothing keep us from entering in to heaven as he said as i have sworn in my wrath this of course is psalm 95 he's going to quote it several times and i won't i won't mention it every time because he's going to mention it two or three times as i have sworn in my wrath if they shall enter into my rest although i would say although see i said they're not gonna they're, they're I, they are never if they disobey my word they will not enter Simple. Just that simple. You disobey me and you will not enter. You're not going to enter. It's that simple. Now, this whole chapter is built on this quotation from Genesis 2 and Psalm 95 11. Then he says, Although I said you're not going to enter, although the works that is creation. God's creation of the whole world. How many knows that he rested on the seventh day? All right. Someone said, well, God's not tired. Why do you have to rest? See how that works? Well, God didn't have to rest. That's about, sounds like a, well, that seems silly. I can't believe that. God have to rest. He ended the works just like, how many, uh, what's the, let's think of a few heaven songs, because I can never think of the words, but I love making them up. All right, so uh, the old song says, um, uh, I, I'm, uh, I've got more to go to heaven for. How many remember that song? All right. Uh, someone holler out an old, uh, help me out over here, all the experts. Heaven is better than this. All right, good. I heard another one. I'll fly. I'll fly away, good. All right, I'll fly away. Heaven, uh, isn't there an old song that says, heaven is going to be worth it all or something like that? Uh, it's not, not the, it will be worth it all. That's, that's a great song. But there's an old quartet song, really old. 
when I, <laughs> when I walk when I walk up the streets of by the way when I walk up when I walk up the streets all right uh, Bishop Haywood wrote a song called When I Walk Up the Streets of Gold. I'm trying to think if that's my brain. I, I've got a, uh, it may be that very song. I'm trying to think. But, uh, but so there's all these songs about making it to heaven. Now, folks, listen to me. Listen to me. How foolish it is for people to think that they don't even have to go to church. They don't have to clean up, clean up their talk. They don't have to change a thing. They got a ticket to heaven and they're going. That's the kind of world that we're in. And we're meeting them every day. And we've taken a further step that it doesn't matter if you're uh, immoral, if, you, if, if, you, if your whole life is filled with immorality. Nobody, they say, has a right to judge me for the way I live. And God can't even tell them what morality is. But they're going to make it to heaven, they say. Of course, I think in their hearts they know better. I don't think they even really believe in hell. You really believed in a hell and you believed in a heaven. You'd be thinking very hard about how I'm living this life. Now, I do notice that young men, for example, they have their first, they get married, they have their first child. They begin to start thinking differently. Anybody ever, anybody recognize? They begin to think differently. Hey, I've got a son or daughter now. I've got to start acting and thinking differently. So things do affect people's lives. But we are in a day when folks think that they do not have to be obedient to the word of God. So God said the works were finished from the foundation of the world. That is to say that I entered my rest. Now what is happening is I have prepared a place where you're going to enter into my rest, he said. You're going to join me in that, in that uh, spiritual time. Anybody want to make heaven here tonight? <laughs> Come on, let's love him a little bit. Father, we want to make it. Hallelujah. I plan to make it home. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Any other time, I could have thought of a dozen songs about making it to heaven. But tonight, that's the best I can do. Now, let's look at verse 4. Brother, uh, uh, oh, I don't have any help. Okay, here we go. Verse number 4. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day in this wise. And God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And, and of course, we're looking now. This is right out of Genesis 2. And in this place, again, if they shall... If, I, I double typed that word. If they shall enter into my rest. Everybody say amen. Okay, let's go on. Let's go to verse 6 because we keep saying it over and over. Now, here is, um, here is uh, an entire chapter then is dedicated to demonstrating that the word of God must be obeyed. It must be obeyed. You can't say, well, I didn't understand it, or I was a Lutheran, or I was a Catholic, or I was a assembly of God. You can't say, uh, I have some excuse. I couldn't obey the word of God. You must obey the word of God. When you see the word of God, you inherit, you obey it. Now, verse 6, and uh, let's, let's read verse 6. It's at the top here. Let's read it together. Seeing therefore... It remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Now, here we go. Here we go. Some of you are not ready for this. 
your, um, uh, it's just too uh, slow and the heater's blowing right on you. Um, <clears throat> okay, so here's Paul's logic. So therefore, it remains. It, there is still the hope of entering into heaven. How do we know this? Because there was a group of people that God said, you're going to enter into my rest. But they didn't enter. Everybody say, praise the Lord. The, the Hebrews that rebelled and some were swallowed up in the earth. And the Lord said, all right, you're going to wander around and around and around. For years and years and years and years and years. You are not going to enter. Now, symbolically, there are lots of going on that that I'm not interested in. I'm only interested in the very direct text that we're reading. But Paul is saying then, it then still remains. We still, if there were, he promised, you're going to enter my rest. Now, they didn't enter the rest. Therefore, it remains that some must enter. Because the Lord said they're going to enter. Everybody say praise the Lord. That's how Paul's logic is working here. So seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein. And they to whom it was first preached entered not. Because they wouldn't believe. Then he said again. And here we go. Verse 7. Praise God. Uh, Verse 7. All right. I tell you what. Let's do this. And and we'll be able to tell. how we're doing. I want you to read verse 7. Here we go. Let's read it. Here we go. Again, he limiteth a certain day, saying in David, today, awesome, awesome. I couldn't believe it. Beautiful. All right, so then he says, all right, now not only what I just said in verse 6, but now let's look at something else. He limits, or the ESV says appoints, and that's good because that's exactly what that word means. He appoints a certain day. In other words, we have a promise. Everybody wake up. Come on. I know this is going to be, it, it's going to be, it, but uh, well, let's see what he, Paul is saying here. Way back in Genesis, he said, I rested on the seventh. And then over there in the uh, what he said to the Hebrew, uh, the children of Israel. All right, you're going to enter into my rest. You're going to be the children that enter into my rest. But they didn't enter. And then we find out that way over in David, hundreds of years later, he says this today. I would say today. In other words, that's a certain time. How many are following me? That's Paul's logic. So way back in the time of Moses, they didn't enter. So that means logically there's still a door. There's a way I can make it to heaven. That's what he's saying. I can be obedient. I can make it. That's what he's talking about. Then hundreds of years later, David comes along and says, today. Meaning, there's a specific day. Oh, hallelujah. Anybody longing to make it to heaven here tonight? And you, you know there's going to come a day. What a, we used to, well, I guess we still sing. Uh, who gave me that the other day? Brother Osborne, was that the song you gave me? What a day. 
No, wrong song. That will be. That's what you gave me. He gave me all 300 verses. That song has enough verses that you could break it up and sing it at every holiday that there is in the year. What a day that will be. I don't have any voice. When my Jesus. Anybody want to see Jesus? Anybody looking for the day when you're going to see Jesus? So what Paul is doing is he said, look here. He promised way back at Moses' day. And then David came along and said, the promise is today, after all this time, there's going to be a moment when God says, enter into my rest. Come into the joys of the Lord. See? So the logic is there must still be a door that's open. The way to get to heaven is still open. Hallelujah. Now let's read verse 8 together. Here we go. For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? That the afterward meaning when Psalms comes along. So Joshua spoke of a rest. And typically, that it, I mean symbolically, typically, he crosses Jordan, goes into the promised land. But that was not the fulfillment that God was referring to because God wasn't referring to crossing over a river and going in and claiming the land. That in typology is just like we cross over and there's Joshua, which means Jesus in, in Greek. But, but we symbolically are not looking for a river to cross but we are looking for a heaven to gain. All right, let's look at verse 9. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Keep your Bibles open. Now, this is a short chapter. We're, we're nearing the shore here. Now, notice this picture. Does anyone have the slightest idea what this is a picture of? It doesn't. I couldn't get a good. <laughs> uh, I, I, sorry, I couldn't get the. I, I knew, heard of this picture. I knew of it for years. I've never used it. I did find it, and I couldn't uh, make it work right. But the French don't. Uh, don't look at this picture. This is, uh, <laughs> it, it, I'm sorry, but that's the best. Somewhere in this world, there is a very clear, pixeled rendering of Moses surveying symbolically, as it were. The Bible says he, of course, says it in Hebrews, but he saw it afar off. Anybody remember that in Hebrews? We'll get to it later in chapter 11. But he looked out and he, he way, I, I, now that could mean a lot of things. Whoa, hallelujah. But I, I think it means that he saw it in his spiritual mind. I may not cross over, but I see it in my heart. I know the day is coming. Folks, listen to me. This is why it is important for you to live for God every day because you believe you're children can make it over there the door is still open for you to sleep and pretend that your children are not going to have to face a judgment that would be a very sad thing indeed what it is we are doing is we are saying lord help me to speak the truth in all that i do i've got to get people to heaven hallelujah i gotta get listen if you have small children we have folks up there right now working in uh, children's church and we got all kinds of things going on in the children's church it's very very special why are we doing that? Because the door is still open. Those children have an opportunity where they can believe and receive it. Let's pray for our church right now. Father, I pray for every family. I pray for new folks that walk in this door. I pray for every child that sits in our Sunday school classes. I pray, Lord, for the young and the old alike. 
because the door remains open. And Lord, we are, we are longing for that place. And if we're going to make it, we can't be rebellious. We've got to be yielding to your word and to receive it. Praise God. You know, folks, attitude sometimes is the most important thing. You say, well, but I was right. I was right. Well, yes, but did you have to win a battle just because you're right? I've had people come and say, "You that what you believe that what that the church age, none of the those uh, church fathers preach that. Look at what you're." Well, would you like to sit down and maybe we could walk through? No, I know good well. And look at my church is as good as your church. Yes, but but hey. The door is open. There's still a chance you could, maybe we could, uh, let's be humble before God. How many knows that being humble before God is more important than being right? Being humble before God is more important than winning a battle. What's important is that you're humble before God and that you keep that door open. Now, verse 9 there. Now, these two different colors means we're skipping to another verse. Here we go. Verse 9. There remaineth therefore... I tell you what, I'll read 9 and you read 10. That'll be the yellow here. All right, here I go. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people. Oh, hold it. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. I, I got to talk about that. All right, here, of course, is our proof that the rest, all right? Here's the proof that the rest we're talking about is heaven, besides the fact that he mentions it two or three times. But here we see that there still is a rest to the people of God. Not the one we received in the Holy Ghost. That rest is here. But how many How many of you got the Holy Ghost and said, Oh, I got the Holy Ghost. Who cares about heaven? Anybody ever said that? I never heard anybody say that. I've seen people go, Wow, I got the Holy Ghost. I got the Holy Ghost. Man, I don't want to go to heaven. I just want to live here forever. Man, so I can shout and dance. I never heard anybody say that. You know what they do? They shout and they dance and they get done. And one, one time I, I was, wasn't was here, so don't, don't try to think back. And they, I was going to baptize them and they went, wow, wow. I had more water running down me than they had on them. And I held on to them and held on to them. Till they got done. Boy, they really got it. I got it. So I don't only just get the Holy Ghost all over again. I get baptized all over again. And so they got done and, and they were, I said, isn't it wonderful? They said, if this is anything like heaven, I can't wait to get there. I want to go. I want to make it somehow. I'm going to make it. This was like the, this was like the, uh, what's the word? The, uh, the, the little, this was like a foretaste. You get a little taste of heaven. Oh, hallelujah. Well, if, if what you've got keeps you not wanting to prepare for heaven, you haven't got the real thing. Something wrong with you. If you don't even want to sit in a church service, and folks, let me tell you something. This world, this nation is in trouble. But when the Holy Ghost falls, people start saying, wait a minute, I got a hold of something here. I want to see Jesus. Hallelujah. Okay, now here we go. Verse number 10 is the yellow can you read verse 10 everyone let's read it together for he that all right that was good 
I was waiting for the caboose. All right, here we go. For he that is entered into his rest, that is, if you've entered into God's rest, then you will have ceased from your own works. That proves to me that no doubt in my mind, folks, I'm still working. How many knows you got to work till Jesus comes? But I'm going to lay it down. What's that? I know there's a song. Brother Fritz, somebody. Brother Fritz, come on. You can sing all these praise teams, and then I need a little help, and what do I get? What's that song about? Um, oh, uh, I'm going to lay down. What's that song? I'm going to lay down my burden down by the, the river. Say, yeah, wow, wow. There's a river. We're going to make it over like Joshua made it. We're going to see Jesus. I'm going to lay my burden down. I've got to dance and everything just to get you folks to come along with me here. For he that is entered into God's rest. And notice I added that so you don't confuse that. He also had ceased from his own works. That day is coming. We're going to lay. We're going to lay down our burdens. Hallelujah. It was with my mom. My mom's lost so much weight that uh, she, she's got us uh, worried. And said, oh, no, I'm just a little thinner and so on. But, but mom, you, you shouldn't be losing that much weight. And all she wants to talk about is, oh, honey, uh, tell me about what you've been preaching. And, and oh, I know I don't have very long. I said, Mom, don't, don't, don't talk about it. Oh, no, no, I don't have very long. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it. I want to see Jesus. I, I was talking to Jesus just today. And she'd go on and on about how the Lord would just speak to her heart. Hallelujah. Anybody here longing to be with Jesus? Now, I'm not saying you, <laughs> some of you wouldn't raise your hand because you worried that I meant you want to die. Oh, help us, Lord. Do you think I would ask you, anybody here want to die? I wasn't saying that. I was saying, our, we, like Paul said, I, 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 I long to be with the Lord, but I kind of like it down here too, you know. So I want to live every day. So to live is Christ and to die is gain. Praise God. So it is. So Moses saw it. Now let's read 11 together. We're almost done. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief, that is, of, of the Israelites. And so it is. And notice the two words that I put in different color. That it is. Uh, and let's, let's look at the next one. Here we go. Let us. Let's read it together. Let us labor. Therefore, everyone, one more time, let us labor. Therefore, <laughs> to enter. Praise God. Doesn't that sound like you got to do something to get to heaven? It does to me. I have people, I, I have these theologians. Well, Reverend, you know that you can't work your way to heaven. Why, he, he just loves everybody. Well, uh, yes, he does. But if you're going to make heaven, you've got to obey his word. 
You can't just say, well, love covers everything, no matter what. So if I murder you, well, what if I, I, and I'm not, I would never say that unless I did say it once and I realized I should never say that again. It was someone I knew very well. And I said, well, what if I were to just murder you? It was someone I knew and I knew I could get away with it and I shouldn't have said it. And years later, I still wish I had not said that. And uh, they still remind me, remember when you told me that you should have murdered, could just murder me? I said, yeah, I remember that. I said, you never forgot that, did you? No, I never forgot that. I said, but you see, if I could, I can just go to heaven even if I murder you right now. Well, no, that would be different. Well, you can't just murder me. Who do you think you are? Exactly. That's my point. I've got to work. I've got it every day. (laughs) I've got to make sure that I'm on my way to heaven. Praise God. Anybody know what I'm talking about tonight? You got to make sure you're on your way. Let's go to the next one. Here we go. So disobedience and disregard of God's word block their entrance. Now let me prove it. Here we go. Because the very next thing shows us that there is one thing that can judge whether we're going to make it to heaven or not. And that is the Bible. Let's read verse 12 together. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So what he, Paul is telling us, God said, this is what you're to do. And they murmured against his word. And he said, therefore, you will not enter. You're not entering. You dare think my word has no, you will not enter. And yet here we live in it. Someone said, well, you know, he was so harsh in the Old Testament. No, he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Now, the Old Testament law had harshness in it, but God was no more harsh then than he is now. He's as loving then as he is now because God does not change. But he discerns the thoughts and intents of the heart through his word. Everyone, let's look at it again. Look at it for the word of God. God's word discerns down inside of us so when we hear the word, it begins to work on the inside. Now, now look at, look at verse 13. Then we're, we're almost there. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest, that is, or seen in his sight. But all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Only God can determine That's why I don't believe in crushing people. I want you to listen. Some of you will not receive it. Lord, I can't help it. I'm going to say it. I do not believe it is a godly thing to crush a person's spirit and say, well, you go to the dumb church over there. You're just a bunch of dummies to do like that. I don't believe in that because you you crush a person. Then then they're running from your words. They're They're not running from you because you got the Holy Ghost. They're running from you because you're a crusher of the human spirit. The only time that someone's spirit ought to be affected is when the Holy Ghost is doing it. And so you speak the word. You never hold back the word. You say the word exactly as it is. But you don't judge people and crush them. Because only God is the judge of what's going on.
not inside of there. You have to be very careful. The Holy Ghost is working on people who don't do right and are not living right. But God is working on the inside. And eventually you're going to see it on the outside. Most of them walk in here, you'd never know God was working on them. Of course, if they get in this building, you need to assume God's been working on them. What would they be doing in a building like this? Oh, hallelujah. Let's praise you one more time. We're going to read our last verse. Father, we thank you. We praise you. Because you're working in us and we magnify your name. Let's stand together. Let's, let's conclude here the fourth chapter. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let's read it. Here we go. All together. Let us hold fast our profession. That is the things we believe. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched by the feeling of our infirmities. But was tempted in all points, like as we are, yet without sin. Let's say that to the devil. Here we go. Yet without sin. Let's read the last verse. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of God, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So our high priest suffered just like us, became a man, defeated sin in the process, defeated death in the process, and then he opened access to the throne room of God that we might enter into mercy and grace and help, and in doing so, find the door that makes the way into the heavenlies. Let's pray that we can get as many as possible into heaven. Come on, let's pray. Father, tonight we're all done. I pray that we'll have a burden. I pray that we'll pray longer. We'll fast longer. We'll seek your face. I praise God that you're keeping your hand on our bishop as they travel. But I pray that we will have a burden like we've never had before. Let your will be done in every home. I pray for neighbors. I pray for co-workers. I pray that they will find mercy, Lord. That they will see that the door has been opened to the throne of mercy and grace and that we can walk boldly into the very presence of God, that we can find mercy before the Lord. Lord, don't ever let anybody think it's too late. The door is still open and I thank you for it. And as long as it's open, we're going to love people and we're going to preach and we're going to touch lives. We're going to preach holiness. We're going to preach Jesus' name, baptism. We're going to preach repentance. We're going to preach talking in tongues. We're going to preach living for God, going to church, believing the Bible, reading the Bible. And Lord, we're going to see your face. Hallelujah. One more time. Let's give him a little bit of praise. Thank you, Lord. We're going to see you, Father. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen.